0: Amen. Hey, good morning. We are still in chapter one of Mark. Welcome. Uh, We are asking the question Who is Jesus? And I want to give you a really good, in depth look at who he is and why he came. And so, whether you have your Bible on your phone or iPad or the seat back in front of you, if you grab that and go to Mark chapter one, and we're going to look starting in verse 29. And for today, I have three verses for you. We are going to plod through this. So Mark chapter 1, verse 29. Eric gave us a good layout last week of kind of getting the context of the place that Jesus is in. He's in a town on the north side of the Sea of Galilee called Capernaum. And he comes out of the synagogue, and this is what happens. And immediately after they came out of the synagogue... They came into the house of Simon and Andrew, with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law was lying sick with a fever, and immediately they spoke to Jesus about her, and he came to her and raised her up, taking her by the hand, and the fever left her, and she waited on them. That's it for today. You don't get more. you got to come back next week. Now, the question that we might not sit with all the time is we have to wrestle with what is Peter thinking at the moment that Jesus raises up, of all people, his mother-in-law? Was there a moment when Jesus is thinking, it's okay, just let her go? I don't think so. I happen to love both of my mother-in-laws, and so if they're watching this later, love you guys. Great. Okay. But what comes to our minds when we talk about this idea of Jesus as healer, when we think of healing, there are maybe quite a few things that come to our mind. We think about those who can't walk are freed, and they're able to stand up, that we leave the sickness and the disease behind us. Maybe your context, when you think of healing in Christian circles, you start thinking about Benny Hinn. And there are people who are coming up on stage and asking for healing. And that happens. Or you might think of Miracle Max. And you remember this scene. He's not dead. He's only mostly mostly dead. But Jesus is up to something. When Jesus comes here on earth and he comes to heal, I don't know if this ever crosses your mind, but... I can read through the Gospels and I see, okay, Jesus is like casting out demons, and those who are sick are being healed, but why does any of this matter to us? And so we're going to just take this little break here and kind of give you a systematic theology where we're going to track this idea of healing throughout the Old Testament and New Testament so that we have a bigger and better picture of who God is and His heart towards us in this realm. And when I think about this healing, I think about one of my sons when he's like, three four years old he gets hurt and he's coming he hurt his thumb one time and he's coming and he's running with daddy daddy is it okay I don't know I'm just gonna hug you because I'm not a very good first responder I'm just gonna hold them until they like stop crying and we'll ask mom in a few minutes but he's daddy daddy will you pray well of course I'll pray we pray and we say amen he looks he says I'm still bleeding (laughs) and as funny as that is like through the eyes of a four-year-old It really is a microcosm for us of our prayers towards God when we need that healing. God, I prayed and I've done everything I'm supposed to, but I still have this thing. So today, I want us to confront and I want us to wrestle with where is God at in all of this? So let's go to the Old Testament. Now God shows his willingness, God shows his willingness to heal people throughout the Old Testament. In fact, God calls himself a healer. In Exodus 15, Israel, the Israelites have come out of Egypt and they've seen the ten plagues. They've seen God part the mighty waters of the Red Sea. He's delivered them. And now he, he calls himself something. He says, If you will give earnest heed to the voice of the Lord your God and you do what is right in his sight and you give ear to his commandments and keep all of his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you which I have put on the Egyptians. For I, the Lord, am your healer. This is where one of God's names is Jehovah Rapha. So God says, I am your healer. But scripture also tells us that God is compassionate that he is moved with compassion when he sees that his people are in need of healing and that God even desires to heal. I love this passage in Psalm 103. It says, Praise the Lord or bless the Lord, O my soul, forget not all of his benefits, who forgives all of your sins, heals all of your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, and he crowns you with love and compassion. I've put a whole bunch of passages on the outline. And you can look up that God is in the business throughout the Old Testament that He is healing those who can't give birth. That God is healing those who have leprosy. And God is using His people to even raise those who are dead back to life. And so we have this picture of God as healer throughout the Old Testament. But there's prophecies in the Old Testament that say that when the Messiah comes, that He will bring Healing. One of those is Isaiah 35. says, and this is how you'll know. When the Messiah comes, this is what he will do. The eyes of the blind will be opened, and the ears of the deaf will be unstopped, and then the lame will leap like a deer, and the tongue of the mute will shout for joy. I love that it's just not that the lame just get up and they kind of stumble or hobble through the rest of their life, but they will actually leap like a deer. I can't even do that. <laughs> but then it goes on in Isaiah 53. It says that Jesus, or when the Messiah would come, it says, Surely our griefs he himself bore, and our sorrows he carried. And so now Jesus shows up on the scene, and now we're in the book of Matthew in the New Testament. And it says that Jesus comes into this town. And they brought all who were demon-possessed. And it says with a word, he casts it out. And it says that those who were sick were healed. And why? Here's the connection. It was to fulfill what was spoken through Isaiah the prophet, that he himself took our infirmities. This word griefs is translated in Matthew as infirmities. And this word sorrows, he's carried away our diseases. When Jesus came, that's what he came to do. And so we see this portrait of who Jesus is. As he comes, that Jesus also demonstrates this same willingness to heal. And we see that through his life and his mission throughout the New Testament. Now, eventually we'll get to Mark chapter 1 verse 40, but that's not this week. But let me just show you a a little bit of a brief foreshadowing Jesus is walking through, and there is a leper that comes to him, beseeching him and falling on his knees before him, saying, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And then we see that same Old Testament heart of God well up in the heart of Jesus, standing with man, moved with compassion. Jesus stretches out his hand, and he touches him, and he says, I am willing, be cleansed. It was never a question of, is he able? It was always a question of, is he willing? And so now Jesus, when he's on the scene, he is fulfilling prophecy through his healing ministry. Now I want to give you this connecting passage. The last book in the Old Testament is Malachi. Malachi chapter 4, verse 2, it says, But those of you who fear my name... The sun of righteousness will rise with healing in its wings, and you will go forth and skip about like calves from the stall. This, this word, wings, in the Hebrew, is called kanaf. And you can trace this going back throughout the Old Testament, that this word kanaf is not just wings like on a bird, but it also can mean the corner or the tassels of a garment. And so when the Messiah comes, not only will the lame be able to walk and those who are blind will be able to see, but that when He comes, there will actually be healing in the corners of His garment. And now pay attention to this because as we continue to go through the book of Mark, you will see that this is what Jesus is doing. Matthew describes one of these cases, that they're in the land of Gennesaret, and they sent word into all the surrounding district, and they brought... To Jesus all who were sick and they implored him that they might just touch the fringe of his cloak just touch the fringe of his cloak and as many as touched it they were healed in a while we'll get to mark chapter 5 and there's a woman who has been hemorrhaging she's been bleeding for 12 years she works her way through the crowd and Jesus said I felt some power just leave me what happened And this woman says she thought, if I just touch his garments, I will get well. And so Jesus comes in the same healing power of God. And as he's doing that, he is fulfilling this prophecy that's been spoken about. So we looked at those Isaiah passages, but I want you to just see this. In Matthew chapter 11, John the Baptist is in prison. And everybody's hearing about what Jesus does. And so John, he sends his disciples and he says... Go talk to Jesus and ask him this question. Are you, Jesus, are you the expected one, or should we be looking for someone else? Are you actually the Messiah? We're hearing about all of this stuff that you're doing. Is it you, or is it someone else that we should be looking at? And you know what Jesus says. Jesus answered, and he said to them, go and report to John. Go tell John this. The blind receive sight, and the lame walk. The lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up and the poor have the gospel preached to them. Jesus is saying, when you see these miracles, when you see these healings take place, know that I am the Messiah. John knew this. Later on in the book of Matthew, verse, chapter 15... It says, Departing from there, Jesus went along by the Sea of Galilee, which is where the bulk of his ministry is taking place. Having gone up on the mountain, he was sitting there. Large crowds came to him, bringing with them those who were lame and crippled and blind and mute and many others. And they laid them down at his feet, and he healed them. And so the crowd marveled as they saw the mute speaking, the crippled restored, the lame walking, the blind seeing. And as a result, they glorified the God of Israel. Those who saw it, those who knew what what was going on, they're thinking about the prophecies. They're thinking about Isaiah. And now they see that in the person of Jesus. And they say, surely he must be God. Now, Jesus also shows his compassion through his healing. In Matthew 14, it says, He went ashore, he saw a large crowd. It says, he felt compassion for them, and he healed their sick. Jesus also demonstrates his power that his power is comprehensive. It says in Matthew 9, it says he was going through all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel, which, by the way, this is the purpose of Jesus' coming. He came to preach the kingdom of God is at hand. And then he's doing miracles to fulfill his Messiahship. But he's preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness, In Luke, it says all of the people were trying to touch him for power was coming from him and healing them all. And so Jesus is doing all of this and sometimes he would heal somebody in secret. You'd have some of these one-on-one encounters and Jesus would heal somebody and he says, be sure to tell no one. And then other times he says, go, show yourself cleansed, show yourself clean, that you are no longer suffering, and tell everyone. And I want you to pay attention to this. Go back through. This would be like really fun, like nerdy homework, but I think it will be enlightening is that where is Jesus at when he's doing these miracles? And what is he saying? What What are the groups of people that he's around? And what is the message that he's bringing? And we'll highlight this as we continue to go through the masses as we go through this passage that Jesus is up to something far bigger and far greater than any of us can comprehend. Now, I have a question for you, and this is the participation part of the service, okay? you ready? How many of you actually believe that God today still heals? Raise your hand. Awesome. Hands down. How many of you have actually... Seen God's healing work God's healing hand In your life Or in the life of somebody that you know and love You've actually seen this take place Good I want to do something here If no one raised their hands I couldn't do this But you all did so I want to hear from you I want to know where you have seen God Show up in a place that you never thought that that could have happened, that he brought healing. Now, there's a lot of us, and we don't have time to hear all of you, so this is going to be the 15-second to 25-second version. I know it's not fair, and we don't have enough context. The purpose is to build our faith, though. At 30 seconds, you'll either get kicked or a buzzer will go off. (laughs) I'm serious. All right. Uh, so if you have that, um, Shannon and I, we're going to walk around with these microphones, and we would like to hear, and I'm just going to give you a second to think about it, by I asked Eric, because I know Eric has a story that we'd start us off.
1: Sure. Um, as many of you know, when I was a baby, I was diagnosed with leukemia, which is cancer of the blood. And uh, my parents brought in the elders of the church, and they prayed over me and anointed me with oil. And in the next round of testing, there was no leukemia. I was healed.
0: Awesome. So just put your hands up when you have, and Shannon and I are going to find you. Oh, this is good. All right, come on up, and if you turn towards the the crowd, that'll be helpful too. Here you
1: go. Twelve years ago, my ex-wife had uh, stage four breast cancer. Um, we, prior to going into surgery, went into the MRI machine room where the machine was. Breast cancer, if it gets into the l- lymph nodes, there was. 15 lymph nodes that were, that were hit by the cancer, and it shows up like little stars. So those little stars had to be removed. Those lymph nodes had to be removed. Going into surgery, um, and almost two hours later, she came out of surgery, and they could not find the lymph nodes that were infected. So that means there was no infection in those lymph nodes. But the stars showed prior to surgery that they were there, and those lymph nodes had to be removed could not find the infection in those in those Praise God. It's awesome.
0: We got one in the back, yeah? Yes. Go ahead, Dave.
2: Um twenty-two years ago, I was uh for fifteen years of my life, I was between fifteen to twenty-nine. I was an IV drug use user. And while I was in this drug rehab, I was getting ready to get kicked out and didn't know what to do, so I got on my knees and prayed to a a God that I did not know, to give me a normal life and a normal family. Moments after that, I met a man that gave me a new job where I met my wife, and I've been IV drug use free for over 22 years now. Awesome.
0: Can you stand up so we can all see you? There you go.
2: Fifty years ago, I was a uh, Santa Ana police officer, and uh, one night I was assigned to take a hit-and-run action report. And as I paced off the point of impact of that report, I got hit by a car at about 35, 40 miles an hour. Went through his windshield with the bare top of my head. He then slammed on his brakes, I went out of his windshield, off his hood, and across crossed the highway into the curb with the bare top of my head. I initially died, my heart stopped, I stopped breathing, but my crime scene investigating officer screamed for an ambulance, ran over to my body and mowed me over and I started breathing again. They got me to the hospital very quickly. A neurosurgeon drilled four holes in my skull, relieved the pressure of the, bro- the blood around my brain, and they had me hooked up to life support because my, they had my brain hooked up to the electroencephalogram, and I was declared brain dead. I had no brain activity at all. And I then had churches all down Southern California praying for me because it was on the radio and TV and newspapers about this young officer fighting for his life. Ten days later, I suddenly started getting some brainwave activity. Four weeks later, I opened my eyes up, came out of the coma, saw my family, saw these doctors and nurses dressed in white, and said to my family, what's everybody doing in my bedroom? And everybody burst into tears. The family, the doctors and nurses began sobbing. I'm saying, well, why is everybody crying? And my family then told me, well, you've been in an accident. You've been in a hospital. You've been in a coma for five weeks. And now you've come out of that coma. And I said, well, I don't know how I about anything about an accident or being in a coma. All I know is Jesus just told me he loved me. I told him I loved him. And now I'm waking up in a hospital. How long have I been here? You've been here five weeks. I then found out within a few minutes I was paralyzed in the whole right side of my body. Told the doctors I couldn't feel or move anything on the right side. They said, well, we're going to put you on intensive physical therapy. Hopefully you'll get some motion back. With physical therapy, ten days later I was able to walk out of the hospital. Amazing. Yeah. Praise God.
3: Awesome.
0: My name is Sue
3: and I used to have uh, cancer but uh, I went through radiation and chemo and lost my
2: hair and now I'm cancer free and I have no more cancer in me and I'm so happy that God has healed me and Help me through
3: my chemo and radiation and help me every day of my
1: life.
0: Man, we should just take like a whole morning and listen. God heals. I was going to try and cut you off, but you're way bigger than me, so I couldn't kick you. But it was awesome. Thank you for sharing those stories. I think it's a beautiful and great thing when God steps in, that we see the will- willingness of God to bring about that healing. But how many of you have prayed and pleaded with God only to find out that your prayers were not answered? Raise your hand if you've seen, you've lost. We need to wrestle with this, and so I want to start off by showing you this story.
3: And stumbling. We took Judson into the doctor and he immediately said, something is seriously wrong here.
2: They began to tell
1: us, there is not a cure for this disease. My heart sank.
0: Why? I just couldn't understand why God would let something like this happen. God, what possible good could come out of this. But what was so amazing was that He was always full of
1: smiles.
3: He was this broken child,
1: but I loved him so much in his
3: brokenness. God says, I love you, Christina, so much in your brokenness. These are the places we find God.
0: Welcome, Christina and Drake and your daughter. Um, we go back to Biola days. That's the story of your son, Judson. He passed away ten years ago. Yes. <laughs> Take us a little bit through his story and your heart as his mother and this journey over the last ten years.
3: Thanks, Matt. Um, gosh, watching that, I watched it first service and this <laughs> is but I, this is my boy. I love him so dearly. Um, And I just want to say, as I stand up here and share, I'm sitting, so as I sit here and share, uh, that I don't don't sit here as somebody who's kind of conquered and had this faith trajectory, and I sit here as somebody who's been super broken and devastated and hurt, and in many ways, my heart and soul have bled. Uh, But my prayer has been that they would ultimately bleed with hope. And so that's what I want to share this morning. But to give you a little background on Judson is that he was about 29 months old. He was this beautiful, bright, healthy boy. I can say that, right? Even though I'm his mom, I'm a proud mom. He's beautiful and bright and articulate. Um, And about 29 months old, we began this journey of his body deteriorating incredibly rapidly. We could actually see from day to day uh, deterioration. In a matter of five months, He went completely paralyzed, to the point where he couldn't even hold up his head. Uh, He went completely blind, where he was actually uh, living in darkness. There was no residual light. And then he ultimately lost his voice. This disease silenced his voice. And then his critical functions began to be affected. About a month into the journey, Judson was diagnosed with what's called Crobat leukodystrophy. It's incredibly rare. Uh, But the day that they diagnosed him, they told us, this is not going to get better. It is only going to get worse. This is terminal, and there is nothing we can do. And they literally put him on hospice care the very next day. I remember my husband turning to the doctor, and he said, science says that there is nothing that can be done, but we serve a mighty God who can absolutely restore our son. And that began this journey for us to beseech God. In many ways, we were trying to do everything we could, like the people in in the New Testament, to bring our son to Jesus. And we had people around the world joining us in this movement of prayer for our son to be healed in such a miraculous way that I longed to be the person in this room standing up and sharing the stories that you guys just shared. But... Five months after the disease began, I held my boy as he breathed his last breaths. And as you said, that was 10 years ago.
0: What is your conversation with God like at these different points when you find out that he has this terminal disease? What's it like when he breathes his last breath? And how do you talk to God in those different times and places?
3: Yeah. So uh, when we first found out Judd had the disease, it was just this beseeching prayer, and we it was a begging, can you please do this kind of work in his body? And I remember actually when he died, my prayer was, how do I do this? Like, I don't even know how I'm going to continue living. Uh, but then it became a conversation with God where I felt like I was going to take him every ounce of the pain that I had, every experience of devastation, my anger, my frustration, my confusion, and I was really confused because I honestly thought he was going to heal my son. I took all of that to him and I said, I want to understand. I want to understand you. I want to understand who you are and what you're doing. And he began to reveal his character to me. And I think that's part of what he wants to do in all of our pain, is reveal himself. And I began to see that he's this God of purpose, and he's this God who can redeem anything that's broken. And we all know, even from this week, we live in a very broken world. But God is the one who can come in redeem. So my prayers were really, this is where I'm at. This is the truth of it. You already know it. You know I'm angry. You know I'm hurting. You know I'm frustrated. I just need you to speak into that. And he began to do so.
0: You talked about he loses his eyesight and he's screaming in the middle of the night and you come near. And what you were for him and how that connects to your relationship with the Lord and where he was at for you.
3: Yeah. I, um, well, I think all of us in our pain— we can feel like God is absent. Like, I'm praying, I'm, I'm begging you, and I feel like it's falling on deaf ears, if we're honest. Where are you? What are you doing? I kind of felt at times like I was banging my head against the wall, and I'm, I'm dying to hear him. And I go back to the story of Judson um, when he was pretty well into the disease, and he cried out in the middle of the night regularly, and so we would go and lay with him, and this time was my hour in the middle of the night. And I went and laid next to him after he had been crying, and we were laying together, and I put my arm on him, and I just said, Judson, it's going to be okay, you're going to be okay, and he started to calm. And then I remove my arm, and I'm, I'm laying there with him, probably about this far face-to-face away. And he starts to get this super fearful look on his face. Like, where did you go, Mom? Why did you leave me again? Because he was fully blind. He couldn't see anything. And I, he cried out, kind of, Mom, come, where are you? And I said, Judson, I'm right here. I'm literally right here, and I put my arm on him and reminded him of my presence. And I feel like sometimes in our pain and brokenness, we're so blinded by it that we can't see that God is literally right there. We feel like he's gone and he's absent. And he wants to, He wants us to cry out to him just in the same way that Judd did and say, show yourself to me. I need you. And then I believe... And not always, as quickly as we want, he begins to show himself. He says, I'm here. I'm here, just like I did for Judd.
0: In this room, there's cancer. In this room, we're wrestling with Alzheimer's, heart disease, blindness, deafness. What, What hope do we have in the midst of this? How can you charge us to yeah. persevere?
3: Um, gosh, a couple of things came to mind, Matt. But um, one, I just say God wants to meet you in your pain. He doesn't want us to be something that separates. He wants to come near. And I often, my favorite verse since Losing Jed has been John sixteen thirty three that says, in this world you will have trouble. It's not that you might or you probably will. You will, and we all know that to be true. But the next line is, but take heart. I have overcome the world. And I think he wants, he's calling us into an understanding that this isn't all there is. That this, even though it doesn't feel that way, is light and momentary in light of eternity. And that he wants to do a work now in preparing us for the, true, the real life that is to come. And that's the life that my son is now experiencing. And I long to experience him with him in, in the face of our Savior. That's
0: good. Drake and Christina and family, thank you guys Thanks, for being yeah, here. And yeah. thank you for sharing your story. You. As she sits down and as the worship team comes up, I want us to just wrap some of this up. I want us to be thinking about this because this is hard. And I know that some of you in this room have made agreements and said, God doesn't care. God doesn't heal. Or if he can and he doesn't, then I, what am I supposed to do with this God? And so this hits us very personally and very deeply. And so I want to just give you a couple of things that there are people throughout Scripture even Paul, Paul says that I have this thorn in my flesh and three times I prayed and God did not take it away, but his power is perfected in my weakness. In James chapter 5, it says, Is anyone among you suffering? Then he must pray. Is anyone cheerful? let sing praises. Is anyone among you sick? If so, then he must call for the elders of the church and they are to pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord and the prayer offered in faith will restore the one who is sick. And the Lord will raise them up, and if he has committed any sins, then they will be forgiven. That word restore is this Greek word. It's not only a physical restoration and healing, but it is mind, body, soul. It's the whole being. And so God wants to bring healing, even when there's bitterness, even when there's anger, that God wants total and complete healing for us. Jesus has this amazing interaction in the garden and Peter goes a little bit nuts for a second and takes a sword, chops off somebody's ear, and he's just upset about what is to come. And we see the posture of Jesus is, Lord, if it's your will, then let this cup pass from me. He says, don't you think that I could appeal to my father? And at once, he would put at my disposal. like I, I could be saved. I could. But I, even in this moment, am submitting to God. God must have a bigger plan in this that I can't see. And so somewhere in this, I have to trust. And I'm not just saying this because I went to a Bible school and they taught me some fancy verses. But lived through this. Around four in the morning on June 19th, 2003, it was my parents' 32nd wedding anniversary. And after a six and a half year battle with breast cancer that had spread and took over her whole body and after six weeks in the ER, my family is gathered into the room at Hoag Hospital and I watched my mom breathe her last. And as that last breath came out of her lungs, I felt like I had none in my own. And just dealing with the anger, it felt like a betrayal from a best friend. I remember walking out of the hospital just waiting for the wrong person to say the wrong thing. Because it was the first time in my life I really felt like I ever wanted to punch somebody And dealing with that over the last 13 years, 14, 15 years, wow. We have to ask the question, why? God, if you can, if you are able, then in this case, why weren't you willing? And this is my mom's tombstone. And the passage that's up on on there is Revelation 21. And it's a promise of God's bigger plan that I don't fully understand. But there is a day that is coming... When there will be no more tears, there will be no more pain, there will be no more cancer, there will be no more heart attacks, there will be no more schizophrenia, that there will be a day when God wants to bring total and complete healing in our lives, in our hearts, in our bodies, in our minds, and even on this earth. Last week we sang a song right after Eric's message called Miracles. It was a powerful moment when many of you came up here to the front and in the posture of just bowing down before the Lord. Just praying that God would do a miracle. We're going to sing that song again, but I just want you to know the story behind that song. It was written by a guy named Chris Quilala. He says this is a song about choosing to believe the truth, that God is who he says he is. In December of 2014, my wife and I lost our baby boy, Jethro. As my wife labored in the hospital room, we were praying and believing for God to do a miracle. Scripture is full of stories telling the miracles that God has done. As we held our son in our arms and prayed, we had a choice to believe God is good all the time, and no matter the outcome, he is and will always be the God of miracles. Psalm 77 says, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. I will consider all of your works and meditate on your mighty deeds. Your ways, God, are holy. What God is as great as our God? You are the God who performs miracles. You display your power among all the people. The truth is that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and the journey of faith is full of mystery, my wife and I could be stuck, going around in circles, asking God why we didn't see the miracle we had hoped for. Instead of doubting God in the face of contrary circumstances, we chose to move towards Him, to trust Him and to hold on to Him even more tightly. And so this song is the result of his pain and his wife's pain and his family's pain. Where's your pain point today? Where is your struggle? So we're going to respond by coming to this God of miracles despite the outcome that we trust that God is who he says he is. So if you need to come back down here and bow down before the Lord and pray and worship, then do that, please. We have some tables around here set up for communion. If you want to remember that Jesus suffered and he drank that cup, the cup of God's wrath for you and I, you can go over there We're also, I'm going to invite elders and staff And if you're just a Christian Who would love to pray over somebody um, Even Drake and Christina If you guys are willing But we want to pray If you want to be prayed for For healing in your life Then come and, and receive that prayer And so that's what this time is set up for This is time for you and the Lord That we are here together as a community To do business And to praise the one who still Works miracles Join me So, Father God, may you work out your plan of salvation of our bodies, of our hearts, of our minds. In each one of us today, would you create in us a trust, a faith that is strong and robust that we would, no matter how dark If we can't see you right in front of our face, that we would somehow know that you are here, that you care, that you have a bigger plan that we can't see. And that you have compassion. You see the hurt and the crying out to you and the pleading and the begging. So we come and we submit to your sovereignty today. Work in us and through us and in our stories. May you be glorified. You are the God of miracles. Yes. Uh-huh.